Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Life Podcast, Green Bay Packers Team Preview Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hardison. As always, joining me on this edition of the podcast, Director of Analytics, All-Around Baller, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, we're talking Packers. How are you? Ah, uh, I am doing good. <laughs> Packers without Aaron Rodgers. Like, wow. Feels kind of weird, doesn't it? No more Aaron. I know fans are happy i know the entire nfc north is happy after that reign of terror over the years yes i know only got one super bowl went out of it but i think we can all agree pretty 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 fantastic era there for rogers on the football field for sure and now we're going to find out Dwayne, how much of the recent success had to do with aaron Rodgers, and how much from matt lafleur back for his fifth season did not did not win fewer than 13 games the first three years there obviously last year things took a step back and we saw the offense work differently as well so this has been a slow moving offense under lafleur and Rodgers. last three years 32nd 31st and 28th in terms of their pace and neutral situations but the passing offense, Dwayne, from 2019 to 2021, in terms of just pass rate over expected, they ranked fifth, eighth, and fifth. Yeah, you got the freaking MVP under center with Devontae Adams. Life was good. Last year, minus 3.4 pass rate over expected. That was just 18th in the league. On the one hand, you're going from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love. I would not expect them to try to put the same amount on his plate. On the other hand, man, they got to find out this year if Love is going to be their future. He has been spending the last three years learning this very offense. I wouldn't be shocked if we see them have a similar pass rate as last year. I don't think we're getting back in the top five, top eight territory, because unfortunately, the lack of wide receivers and pass game options that I think forced them to become a more run-heavy offense in the first place, those issues still persist. But I don't think we're looking at the Packers, you know, joining the Falcons or the Bears in terms of, you know, the most run-heavy offenses in the NFL. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that, you know, they might run a little more, but also like game scripts and things like that can really come into play, right? Um, you mentioned, you know, their pass rate over expectation. They're, they're a run heavy team. Not, I wouldn't call run heavy run balance, Ian run balance <laughs> in, the, in the Madden playbook, definitely run more than most teams. Um, you look at what they were able to do with Rogers. The one big question I think I would have is like where Rogers was still really good was keeping them out of third and fourth down and long, you know, seven plus yards to go. Um, so only 8.4% of their plays, you know, registered as, uh, you know, falling into that category, which was the second best in the NFL. And, you know, when you can keep things manageable, you know, you can avoid blitzes, you can avoid, you know, man coverage with confusing stuff that can really, you know, be, uh, or, or just, you know, straight pressure, you know, those are things that can be challenges for young quarterbacks. So I do think that they'll continue to lean into the run game. I think they'll use plenty of play action. They'll try to really be efficient via the passing game and not so much be about volume. I think when you look at the surrounding cast, which we'll get into more, I think that also makes sense, right? I mean, they've got two good running backs. Um, the offensive line has some questions as far as pass blocking ability. Um, and we've got question marks still at receiver. Like, there's guys we like. They're, you know, we love Christian Watson. We love, you know, potentially what could happen for, say, a Jaden Reed, maybe a Romeo Dobbs. You know, I don't, but there's still questions, right? We don't know that that's going to be a good receiving core. Um, yeah, they added tight ends as well. But I think there's just enough with everything going on. They're going to, and, and also, that's just LaFleur's calling card. Like, that's the way he's ran this offense when he had an MVP quarterback. So how do we really think it's going to change, you know, and, and suddenly be way more pass-friendly? I don't see that. But, yeah, I could see something similar to what we saw last year. 
as I mentioned before, they did not exactly restock those aforementioned already weak wide receiver and tight end rooms. Aaron Rodgers, of course, had to bring his BFFs, Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb to the Jets and the Packers let the free agency group be the free agency group, did not add any reinforcements. Accordingly, they now have the NFL's fewest $2023 devoted to their wide receiver room and the six fewest dollars devoted to their tight end room. Mercedes Lewis remains an unrestricted free agent and Robert Tunyon signed a small deal with the Bears. That said, we talk a lot throughout the offseason, and the Packers, my God, as a real-life organization, they have earned the benefit of the doubt and continuing to field these awesome teams. It helps when you go from Brett freaking Favre to Aaron Rodgers over like a 30-year stretch. I get it, but hey, I'm you know we see it time and time again, spending big money in free agency, especially some of these skill position players, not always the smartest move. So maybe we do see second-round wide receiver from Michigan State, Jaden Reed, second-round tight end from Oregon State, Luke Musgrave, even third-round tight end from South Dakota State, Tucker Craft, someone who had opportunities to transfer to, you know, big time schools like Alabama and just didn't. Wouldn't be surprised if we see them ultimately, you know, improving versus what they could have done in the free agency market. But it's just not, you know, there's not a ton of confidence here, Dwayne. We're talking about, again, a lack of guys added. Not saying the incumbent guys can't figure it out, but not going to be, hey, it's not exactly going to be a group that any of us can objectively rank as anything other than a bottom 10 wide receiver or tight end room when going across the league. So all that to say, it's going to be tough for Jordan Love as we get into our positional breakdowns. Dwayne, we've seen three extended appearances from Jordan Love since he got drafted in the first round of the 2020 draft. He had the first start in Arrowhead against the Chiefs week 9, 2021. Hilariously, his mom and like girlfriend had to go sit in the very last row at the very tippy top of Arrowhead Stadium. That was funny. Fun fact, Chiefs are back in Lambeau this year, so that'd be pretty funny if we saw Brittany and Jackson Mahomes get the similar treatment. I'm sure it won't happen, but you could imagine. Had a week 18 game against the Lions when Rodgers and company were resting. And in week 12 last year, Rodgers got hurt against the Eagles and he went ahead and threw a 63-yard touchdown to Christian Watson. But bit more credit to Watson, I think, for that yak and do score. And honestly, even that Lions game, when you look at it, Joseph DeGura, one of their tight ends, randomly busted off a screen for like a 60-yard touchdown. So a lot of things have been a little bit inflated for Jordan Love. Funny enough, last year, minimum 20 attempts, Dwayne. Let's get that sample size as large as we can. Led the NFL in yards per pass attempt. But all that to say, man, we don't really know what's going what's gonna to be here from Jordan Love. The only thing I would say, though, just because we have not seen Jordan Love be great doesn't mean he can't be. The fact that he hasn't been much of anything, I think, leads us to believe that if he was great, we already would have seen it. But just looking at him as a pure prospect, this is what Dane Brugler said back in 2020. Overall, Love is still very raw as a passer and his inconsistent decision-making is a concern, but he has immense high ceiling talent that is ready to be cultivated, projecting as a high-risk, high-reward NFL prospect. Again, offensive environment isn't great, but Malafleur is, and I don't want to completely rule out Jordan Love, Dwayne. It's not like he costs that much to acquire right now. He is coming off the board on Underdog Fantasy as the QB 21 pick 146. Do you think he has enough upside as a prospect to be in that tier with guys like Stafford, Carr, Goff, arguably, and serve as a discount in that pocket passer group that, again, we've talked about is much more difficult to predict year over year than the guys that have much higher rushing floors. Yeah, I think there could be some unhidden, I mean, some un, you know, predictable upside. Untapped, untapped. There untapped. we go. Yeah, that could happen with love. But, you know, there's the high ceiling and there's also the, the really low floor part, right, of what you just talked about with Brugler. And, 
you got to give him some credit because what are you going to do when you play behind Aaron Rodgers? You're not going to take him over as the starter. Like, you know how good you would have to be? Like, what what rookie could come in, you know, and by year three overtake Aaron Rodgers? Like, Joe Burrow could have landed there and might have still been a backup to Aaron Rodgers. That, that you know, he's just one of the all-time greats. So I think you got to cut Love some slack from that aspect. Um, at the same time, like, I'm kind of surprised he goes in the top 150, but it is best ball, right? Where we have more yeah. quarterbacks going. I think, you know, once we start talking about, so like over on the FFPC right now, he's 195. So he's a lot later. So best ball is definitely having something to do with it. Um, I have CJ Stroud, Bryce Young. Well, I have Bryce Young, then CJ Stroud, then Jordan Love, um, in a tier together above, you know, a lot of the kind of, you know, pocket passers that have just really not shown us much over the last few years. So I would be fine taking any one of those and I would really just make it about my stacks. And so if yeah. you're making it about a stack, well, Christian Watson is really the only one from those teams that we're drafting early. You're not drafting a Texans wide receiver early. You're not drafting a Panthers wide receiver early. You know, you might take Jonathan Mingo in round 11. Um, but if you want Christian Watson, you got to spend round four picks. So most of my love shares have really come down to having Christian Watson. If you're playing in a redraft league, I think Jordan Love goes undrafted. Um, but I do think that, you know, there is enough upside there that if you're playing in a league where you've got to have two quarterbacks on your roster by the time that draft's over, I can see the thought process of putting him over names like Stafford and Garoppolo and some of these others. In fact, like I've got them tiered that way. Especially because, again, I mentioned this, I think the last pod, uh, briefly, Russell Wilson was one of the guys popping with the real nice first four weeks of the season, just looking at who allowed the most fantasy points per game to the position last year. And Jordan Love, man, was even better. They get the Bears, the Falcons, the Saints, and the Lions during those first three weeks. Not too shabby there for Love. So again, hey, it's hard to rank the guy all that high because exactly to the point, we don't, we haven't seen him. It's hard to know what he's going to be out there. That's also why he is ranked as lowly as he is. So if you do find yourself getting Christian Watson early, easy enough stacking partner there and then you got guys like Jaden Reed or you know Luke Musgrave one of the tight ends all the way available for you later so again yet another quarterback in that long line of pocket passers but does have maybe a little bit more upside on the ground he did run you know 4-7 back in the day 87 percentile mark in burst score per uh, player profile Look, I don't think we're getting, you know, Josh Allen coming out of here, but if he gave us a Geno Smith-esque, you know, 300 rushing yards, couple touchdowns, wouldn't it be the most shocking thing in the world? Let's talk about the most expensive guys, though, from this group. Not quite Christian Watson, but these running backs, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. On the one hand, Dwayne, Aaron Jones was one of the best pure rushers of the football in the NFL last year. First in yards per carry among 33 qualified backs. Second PFF rush grade, you know, eighth in yards per route run. Tenth in yards after contact per carry. The guy was great. But we did not see him take over this backfield enough to be this, you know, rock solid weekly RB1, especially with the Packers overall scoring offense taking a step back. So we've now had these two in a committee, you know, for a good amount of time, specifically over the past two seasons, though. I think the problem, man, it hasn't been as much leaning towards Jones as the pass catcher. I think we could live with a situation where it's like an Austin Eckler. We're not getting over 200 carries per year per Jones, but he's getting all the targets. That hasn't been the case. Over these past two seasons, Jones has 137 targets. AJ Dillon has 80. Rush attempts, it's in favor of Jones, but it's 384 versus 373. It really is more of a 1A, 1B situation as opposed to the early down back and the pass down back. And because of that, man, I struggle to have Jones higher than RB18 at the moment. I do think, you know, he's not untouchable by any stretch of the imagination, but I really have not been drafting much Aaron Jones so far, Dwayne. I do not know about you. 
Yeah, we're, we're, we'll be different on this one. Um, I just look at the profile and it's there. I, I can't do anything about A.J. Dillon. But Jones is still out there at least half the plays, if not more, right? Last year, he had 47% of the rushing attempts, 51% route participation. All the things you talked about, you know, as a, you know, a runner, missed tackles force per attempt, 25%, explosive rush rate. Those are your carries of 10 plus yards or more, 14%. A.J. Dillon, 8%. Right. AJ Dillon's missed tackles force 12%. Like Jones is doubling this dude up. Like he should be getting this split should be 70 30 to Aaron Jones. But like, it's, it's not. Really not close. I know it's not, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to bet on the talent profile because 14.9 points per game and I get him right now at pick 55 on underdog. Like he's not a dead zone back. Like this is a guy that has the right kind of profile. Something happens to AJ Dillon suddenly. You're in a really good spot with Aaron Jones. And guess what? Even if AJ Dillon's fine and he has the role he has last year. Jones can easily pay off like at the ADP of 55 overall. So I'm ahead of ADP. I've got him at 14. Um, underdog is at 16. I think he fits in the same tier as Jameer Gibbs. They're the same guy. He's older, right? Jameer Gibbs is dealing with David Montgomery. You got uh, Aaron Jones dealing with AJ Dillon. Um, I think David Montgomery is a better player than AJ Dillon, like at this point. So um, the only thing that can make you, you know, and I have him below Gibbs because he'll be 28.8 years old when the, when the year starts. So essentially he'll be 29 when the NFL season starts for Aaron Jones, uh, not Jameer Gibbs. That would be pretty funny. Like if, if the Lions <laughs> took a guy you know, in the first round, that was going to be 29 as a rookie running back. Um, but he's a guy that's also shown he can be a plus a dot guy down the field. You, you know, his targets per route run 23%. So it's not, he's not on that level with CMC and with Eckler, but he's like one tier down from them. And so I want to buy into situations like that where he can be fine for me, like even if A.J. Dillon's there, but if something happens with A.J. Dillon, like I'm, you know, he could easily be in the top six ranks every week. So I really like Aaron Jones. I think, you know, he's been pushed down too far. I like him clearly above Dalvin Cook. I like him over Joe Mixon. Um, I like him over ETN. I like him over Kenneth Walker. I like him over Miles Sanders. I like him over J.K. Dobbins. So um, Jones, like I said, like he's right there in that little mini tier with Jameer Gibbs. Um, right after like Brees Hall and Derrick Henry come off the board, they're a tier ahead. I just think, man, like the Joe Mixon thing, I don't think the roles are even close. I think Mixon could have an extra 100 touches than Jones this year. How can you, I mean, that's just because ADP Mixon is being pushed down right now. Well, yeah, and one, you can wait on Mixon. And then number two, like Mixon was also like terrible. Like missed tackles, forced, yards after contact, explosive, everything was like the worst he's ever had. And really, his receiving was an outlier season. Like, I don't even think he's going to repeat that as a receiver. As, like, Joe Mixon's an average receiver. And when you have T. Higgins and you have Jamar Chase, like, getting the targets they're getting, like, I, I will be blown away if Joe Mixon does this year what he did in the receiving game last year. Just looking at his, his historical profile, like the archetype of running back that he is and the target competition that he has. Now, I'm not, like, against Mixon, but I still feel like I like what the Bengals have done as far as like giving him the vote of confidence, but like there's still enough of a risk. Like if something happens with him with the NFL, like I don't want to get carried away right now. Like I, I do believe that if we find out Mixon's not going to be suspended and everybody knows for sure, and I know the way it's leaning right now, like he'll probably be around four pick, maybe get to round three. Right. So at that point, like it would be fine. I'll be fine taking him over Aaron Jones. Um, I've got teams where I've got them both together. Like I was, we've got some cool stuff coming for you guys over at fantasy <laughs> life. I was playing around with our stack tool this morning. It's still behind the scenes. I think I had three teams with Aaron Jones and Mixon where I had just waited and I got Jones and then Mixon was sliding and I just took him too as my first two back. So I know some people say that's gross older guys, but like Aaron Jones has the profile I like. 
though, I'm definitely sticking with him. I think it's wrong. I think it's, I think he's going too low right now. He had the profile, but to, I just think that's a big assumption to assume he's again going to be one of the most efficient running backs from going from Rodgers to Love. I think we'll understandably place a heightened, you know, defensive importance on containing Jones. That age cliff matters. I know he's a younger, he's going to be a younger 29. He doesn't turn 29 until December, but he does join Derrick Henry as the two guys that are hitting that 29 age. And it's not pretty. And we've just seen this his entire career from Jamal Williams to AJ Dillon. Like, Unless the featured role comes out of nowhere and the floor just tells AJ Dillon to fuck right off or something, man. Like, I just think we've seen it as many times, like, already. So I have Dalvin Cook, ETN, Najee, even Miles Sanders ahead of Jones, because I think they actually have a pathway to that three down roll. With Aaron Jones, I have him next to guys like Kenneth Walker, J.K. Dobbins, where I just think, unfortunately, we're not going to be getting that. I hear you in terms of who's, you know, the more efficient rusher, at least last year, and who was, you know, doing those things behind the scene a little better. Okay. I think. We know we've done enough of these podcasts together. I tend to put a little bit more weight behind the volume, which does get me in trouble from time to time. You're looking more so at the player, but I do think if there is a position to put more stock in the volume than the pass catcherness of it and just the overall explosive ability, I think it's running back. All that to say, man, just around this range has been where I'm not really taking the running backs that much to begin with because we still have guys like Terry McLaurin, Michael Pittman, Ayuk, you know, Keenan, Judy, all those guys in that area. So, hey, it's another one of those. We have a few every year, Dwayne, where you're not in complete lockstep. I am a little bit lower on Jones. Where does that leave you with A.J. Dillon, though? Because the one thing, we did not see it last year because Jones was able to play all 17 games. But in the past that we have seen Dylan really get a featured role to an extent with Jones out of the picture. Uh, yeah. So again, hasn't been absolutely huge over the years. We did get a 75% snap rate, 68% snap rate. And I mentioned kind of discrepancy between their targets isn't as high. I don't think Dylan is this awesome running back, but I'm also old enough to remember when freaking guys like Zonovan Knight become these top 15 plays because they want that volume. And I think Dylan is one injury away to an aging Aaron Jones from being in that weekly top 15 conversation. And again, Dylan is going well after those top, you know, 45 receivers are gone. So have you been drafting Dylan in that RB3 range? Because again, there are a lot of guys there. I'm fine with Dylan with where he's going. I, I don't I don't go out of my way. I've got him at 34 and he's 33 positionally right now on underdog. So I'm in line with that. Um, my challenge with Dylan, he actually has the profile. Now he's going later, so it's fine. But he has the actual profile you should be afraid of if you've got a quarterback that you're scared of. Historically, these guys that play on offenses that aren't as good, as long as if, if you've got passing down chops and it works out in your favor, like, it's fine. Like, that helps insulate you from really, you know, oh, my God, what if the Packers win three games? Dylan has the role where he depends so much on scoring the touchdowns. Like, that's his challenge. I, I get where he's been from a target standpoint, but he's just, I mean, he's kind of been fortunate, honestly, to get those targets. And I think more of it does come down to the fact that, oh, my God, my number one wide receiver is covered. I don't have anyone else. Let me check it down to AJ Dillon. Not because AJ Dillon is really a good receiver, which we've seen like 0.82 yards per route run, 15% targets per route run. Like those aren't even RB4 numbers. Um, so I think he's very dependent on the touchdowns. He's also like his upside is 100% hinged to Aaron Jones, where I think Aaron Jones has upside on his own um, period, just because of like the kind of profile that he has overall and what he can do in all facets of the game. So um, but again, I'm fine with Dylan where he's going. Like, I mean, people 
last year went nuts on Dylan. Like they just yeah. got too out of control with it. Right now, you know, you're getting him, you know, at pick 106 on underdog. Like I, I have no problem with that, depending on, you know, what kind of build you got. I'm not, I'm taking Zach Charbonneau over it, over it, Zach Charbonnet over him. I'm taking Rashad Penny over him. I'm taking, um, Devin A-Chain over him for sure. I'm taking James Cook over him. Um, but he's in that range, you know, with mm-hmm. all those guys. So it's the great flex with benefits tier. I mean, Samaje P. Ryan's right there as well. You could argue Jamal Williams, even to an extent, Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson. Yeah, I mean, I do have a couple of those guys ranked ahead of Dylan as well, but that is the spot after those wide receivers are gone that I'm starting to dip back into their running backs because, again, it's, it's just so ugly at those wide receivers going in that range. Been much more happy with the lineups where I have five or six of them through the first eight or so rounds. Moving on to wide receiver, we got Christian Watson leading the room. Also, Jaden Reed, Romeo Dobbs, and Dontavian Wicks profiling as the potential wide receiver four. Look, maybe Reed, maybe Dobbs can break out. And they are so cheap right now, especially Reed, that I am more than fine finding out, Dwayne. I've been drafting a lot of Jaden Reed, and I brought up this, you know, just the entire wide receiver dead zone idea. Once you get past those top 50, you should be focusing primarily on all those rookie wide receivers. So there's Jonathan Mingo, Jaden Reed, you know, John Mechie's basically a rookie. I mean, there's a bunch of guys, Marvin Mims, Josh Downs, like all these guys, those are the wide receivers I am drafting after the first 48 or 50 off the board. And even Romeo Dobbs, someone who was really starting to ascend until he, until he suffered that unfortunate high ankle sprain like very early on And I think that Lions game. Maybe he can get going. They're so cheap. I am fine finding out, especially if we already are starting to build a stack with it. But the real question comes down to just how high should we draft Christian Watson? 2.26 yards per route run last year ranked 11th among 80 qualified wide receivers just imagine the company if he hadn't dropped the you know opening play of the season for a 75 yard touchdown absolutely went nuclear as soon as Dobbs was out of the picture and he started to get his feet wet how high is too high to rank Christian Watson Dwayne uh, I'm the wrong person to ask that I mean <laughs> I've got him at 16 right now he's oh. on underdog so I mean it's like to me he's going too far behind Alave and Garrett Wilson, like he should be closer to them. So that's really how I have him ranked. I have him just a little, I believe he should be behind them, but I've got him, you know, closer to them. I think he's going too late right now in underdog drafts. And I know people are scared. The big thing I hear is, oh man, he can't score all those touchdowns again. Well, great. You're right. He had a touchdown on 2.6% of his routes. Like that's freaking bananas. Um, Kadarius Tony was the only other guy close last year at 2.47%. So but he could still easily be a one and a half percent guy or a 1% target, you know, touchdowns per route run kind of guy. The thing is he earns targets, targets per route run 24%. Um, You know, you already talked about his yards per route run. Like he can beat you deep. He can beat you after the catch. You also mentioned earlier that play from Jordan love. That was really more Christian Watson. Yes. It was Christian Watson just completely erasing every angle on the football field on a slant where he goes all the way across and then up the sideline and just outruns everyone. So He's a guy that can beat you over the top. He's a guy that can be, beat you underneath with run after the catch stuff. Does he have the greatest hands? Probably not. Like he has a lot of weird hand positioning stuff going on. So I know that there's a lot of scouts that look at him and think, you know, he's still raw. Um, but, you know, I don't really care if he body catches it, if he can go 80 yards, like once, once he catches it. And, you know, this will be year two for him. So hopefully he'll make some strides in some of these other areas that have been a challenge um, for him. So I, I absolutely love Christian Watson. Um, you know, I, I would be willing to probably take him as high as like wide receiver 14, 15, somewhere in there. Um, once you get past that, like you start bumping into a lave, 
uh, Devonta Smith, Waddle, Garrett Wilson. You can't you can't go above those guys. But I think once you get past them, past those, there's an argument for Watson. I have him ahead of T. Higgins. I would rather draft Christian Watson in round four than T. Higgins in round two. I mean, okay, I'm with you from the cost side of the equation there, but I do want to be careful with someone like Christian Watson. Yes, he's incredibly talented. We just listed 10 stats that tell you that, but, you know, a lot of these other guys are talented. Deontay Johnson, Mike Williams, Judy, McLaurin, Debo, Metcalf, Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley. I mean, those are the guys, a lot of them that I have ranked ahead of them because, I again, it's nothing against Watson's talent, but I think all those guys are just as talented, but they're not in an offense with a complete unknown like Jordan Love. I know you say he should be closer to Waddle and Garrett, but, I mean, or I'm sorry, no, it was Garrett and, uh, I forget the other guy you said. Regardless, I think he should be closer to Drake London almost, man. This is a huge unknown with the offense, and with Jaden Reed, I'm not saying he's going to take over, but is it? Not a little bit concerning that Watson did absolutely nothing last year until Romeo Dobbs was out of the picture. Yeah, I don't care about that. He's he's a much better player than Romeo Dobbs. Like it doesn't bother me at all. Romeo Dobbs' numbers, like overall, like he's gonna be lucky to hang on to like a wide receiver three role. Like Ouch. Watson. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going all I'm doing is going off the historical guys that have done what Watson has done. Like it's 80% hit rate. Like these guys go nuts. So like I'm just betting on it. Um, I'm fine with all the other guys you talked about, but I'm able to draft them, you know, after Watson, um, you know, most of those, like, I mean, I've, I think Deontay Johnson's my most rostered wide receiver at this point. It's insane yeah. where he's going. But the thing with Watson is this, like, and the way I work my profiles, like, okay, can you earn targets? Number one? Yes. Watson's shown us that he can earn targets at a high level. Okay. What can you do with the targets afterwards? Right. And can you stretch the field vertically? Like Deontay Johnson, as much as we love him. He, he can be a target hog, but he's not going to beat you over the top. He's not elite after the catch. He's good, but he's not going to break a lot of plays. Um, so Watson is just one of these guys that if he can be a similar target earner to Deontay Johnson, and it honestly isn't going to matter, like between probably Jordan Love and Kenny Pickett. Like it's going to be hard for Christian Watson to not outscore him just because he's such a better playmaker. I agree there's an unknown with Jordan Love, but again, like we've we've talked about this study. I've studied it in the past. Like, how much do quarterbacks really matter for their wide receivers? Where it really gets tricky is you need a good quarterback if you're trying to support three weapons, right? You're trying to support, even at two weapons, it can start to become shaky. But if you just got a really, if you've got one guy that's really the main guy, which is what I do believe Christian Watson will be this year, I think that there could still be a number two guy. But that's the question. Is Jordan Love good enough to support an extra guy? I don't really worry about Jordan Love being Jordan Love being good enough to support a guy. Now it could go wrong. Jordan Love could be Marcus Mariota, like, and that would be bad because that's what takes Drake London, another guy, a great name that you brought up. Um, and I like London above. I'm above ADP on London as well. I'm above mm -hmm. ADP on all these guys, um, pretty much besides Garrett Wilson because he was already sky high. Um, well, actually, I'm a little ahead on Garrett Wilson as well. No, I'm not. I'm right with Garrett Wilson because the markets pushed him up so much, but. He can just do everything, man. He can do everything. He can demand the targets and give you all the big plays. He he's just he's a he's just an explosive play waiting to happen. So I just want to have as many of those guys as I can on my lineup. 
I have a feeling this will not be our final Christian Watson argument over the course of the offseason, but it'll be it for today. Quickly at tight end, Dwayne. Again, two day two additions added, Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft. Unfortunately, unless we're going to watch a guy catch 11 touchdowns and only have seven incomplete targets thrown his way, looking at you, 2020 Robert Tunyon, just not an offense we've seen produce good fantasy tight ends. Last year, Tunyon was a tight end 25 in PPR points per game. Before that, it was Josiah Jagura, tight end 44, Jimmy Graham in 29 team was just a tight end 28 high season target total of just 67 for Tunyon last year and again that was a guy that scored 11 freaking touchdowns in a season and he, even he couldn't get this every down role so you know I mentioned Joe's uh, Josiah Degura and then there's also Tyler Davis there like no I don't think they're gonna unseat either of these you know second or third round tight ends and become the primary guy but last year if you just combine Degura and Davis's you know snaps per game like every single game they played an all but one game, I should say, 26 and 53% of the snaps together. So yeah, together, they do matter. It's a tight end by committee system. It's exactly what Nathaniel Hackett took to Denver and ruined Albert O for everyone. Unfortunately, while Musgrave and Kraft, I do think are probably going to be good real life tight ends and improve this offense. I don't think one is going to stand out in fantasy. I'll give Musgrave the slight nod, but I'm only drafting him as a late, last round, not late round, last round dart for a lineup that already has Jordan Love. Yep, agree. I've got a few Musgrave shares, and it's just with Jordan Love. And I get to the last pick, and the other things I was looking at are gone. And I'm like, okay, I'll try this. Uh, he did not grade out well in the supermodel. Actually, Tucker Craft graded out better than Ooh. Musgrave uh, in the supermodel. So I'll, I'll probably you know mix some of Craft in as well. But obviously, you know the draft capital was there for for Musgrave. Win total seven and a half is a minus 120 juice on the over. Reminder the floor led Packers have won 13, 13, 13 in eight games. Hell, he was the OC on the Rams and Titans teams who won 11 and nine games. Will 2023 be the first year, Dwayne, that LaFleur fails to win at least eight games? I'm saying no. I'm taking over seven and a half out of more so. It's not a respect for the Packers. It's more so disrespect for the still rebuilding Bears, a Vikings team that, as we talked about a couple podcasts ago, was, you know, far worse than their actual win-loss uh, record indicated last year, and a rising but still unproven Detroit Lions team. I'm giving the benefit to, let's face it, the longtime reigning not quite defending, not quite, not rating this last year, but let's face it, the absolute dominant Bowser boss of this division for the last couple decades. I'm going to need to be wrong before I'm completely ruling out the Packers here competing for that number one spot. Yeah, I just think it's tough to think of them the same without Rodgers because quarterback matters so much. And obviously that's already reflected, right? In a seven and a half win total. You, did, you weren't seeing those totals from Vegas in the last two seasons. Right. Um, but give me the under, give them, give me seven wins instead of seven and a half. Um, like the overall roster, I'm just not crazy about. And like you mentioned, it's just a question with Jordan love, like Jordan love could come out and have like a surprise good year and they could be lucky to get to seven wins with their overall roster. So I'll go with seven and just come in slightly under. And with that, going to wrap up another edition of the Fantasy Life Podcast. We still got the Bears to finish, though, so make sure you guys check that one out tomorrow. So for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks again for tuning in to the Fantasy Life Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.